Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, while we prepare for our Test Cricket Summer to get underway, don't be fooled. It is definitely still rugby season, and to be fair, the weather might agree. Super Rugby Pacific is only weeks away, and we are right in the middle of one of the most impressive Six Nations in years. Ireland's win over France in the weekend has confirmed what many suspected, that Andy Farrell's men should be favourites. To finish 2023 as World Cup champions. But for other nations, there are some tough questions to be asked. Their performances so far. Our man, everything Irish and Northern Hemisphere rugby is Gavin Casey. And he's a gun sports journalist for the 42IE. And that's the Irish. And uh, he's online now. Evening to you, Gav. How you doing? Good morning, boys. Is that Oh, very good, mate. Very good down under. She's a bit crazy here. We've got a bit of a cyclone happening around the country, but uh, we're, we're all good. Our spirits are high, and I know yours are high as well, mate, because Ireland are flying at the moment. Have they peaked too early? <laughs> That's the question we've done that every four years now. Uh, you know what? I'm not sure. I've always felt that this team has had a greater capacity to improve than, say, the team that you could have argued in 2018 has become the best team in the world. They were close enough to your boys at the time when, when Ireland beat New Zealand at the Aviva in November 2018. Then they started to deceive a little bit in the Six Nations the following spring. And obviously the World Cup went and dismantled us in the quarterfinal. And it felt as though that I think with this one, what makes them a little bit different, and the real cognizance on behalf of some of their players, the reality as well, is that. Even in victories over, say, New Zealand or uh, down in your neck of the woods, but equally against South Africa and Australia in November, it felt as though, yes, Ireland were very good, but there was room for improvement in some of the play and some of the performances, especially probably against South Africa and Australia. It felt as though in attack they left scores behind them. And that was probably a reality of the game against France on Saturday as well. It probably blew five or six opportunities that would have made it a lot more comfortable. So, hopefully, they're only maybe 75 or 80% of the way towards capacity at a World Cup, whereas last time, I think that performance against New Zealand in, in November 2018 was the apex for that team. I'm not sure they could have taken it much further than that, and the other countries obviously caught up and overtook them in the next 12 months. Hey, Gabe, it'd be really interesting to get your thoughts on this. Um, Obviously, Ireland have been down here last year, and the Six Nations is a wonderful tournament to be watching at the moment. What's the difference in your 
mind between the southern and the northern hemisphere at the moment? I think, I actually don't think there's a great deal of difference between, say, any of the top five or six countries. I know it's easy to say Ireland are the world's best at the moment, but we also know how quickly these things change, right? And if you look at, say, the game against Australia, uh, that was a really close game that came down to the wire. Ireland only done the pace to the center of Africa. Another day, South Africa probably win that game in Dublin, and the complexion and the entirely afterwards. You've got uh, France and South Africa had a stunning game with Paris in November as well. So it might be easy for perception to be created between uh, and the second where you could say, oh, well, Ireland and France are definitively one, two, and the Southern Hemisphere countries are, are sort of trying to keep up with that. I, I think if South Africa played Ireland five times, or say if South Africa and Ireland played ten times, do each of them win five? I really don't think there's a great deal of difference. I also think that there's almost a universality now in terms of the styles of play. The distinction between uh, a more traditional jump type of northern hemisphere approach uh, and your more fluid, more expressive brand of rugby from years past has been blurred, right? Like, and you look at Ireland against France, you could definitely say some of their attack is, is prescriptive, but it's still aesthetically nice to watch. And it does seem to be effective against teams of, of all varieties. So I don't know, I still think we can. It's very easy to get ahead of yourself, and uh, I would say when a World Cup runs around, listen, you guys have had another nine, ten months with, say, Joe Schmidt involved there. You look at Ireland's first try against France, it's literally a move that Joe Schmidt created for Ireland that they ran against England in 2014. Bob Carney scored the first Hugo Keenan scored against France. Well, you've got your lads now, so he's going to be coming up with similar moves, I'm pretty sure, for later on this year. You're talking to Gavin Casey out of Ireland and we're going to just let him go and we'll fix that little phone line and we'll get him back up shortly. But we're talking about Ireland's success and he talked about that performance in, over the weekend and that first try, in fact, Kempe, we spoke about yesterday to Hugo Keenan. When they went left and the prop just went to dummy outside and threw it on the inside, Hugo Keenan came from the open side, pretty much the blind side to a defensive uh, line and just shot on that inside and probably scored one of the solo tries of the weekend. So they were flying, and, and that's what we spoke about. You said the, the innovation that they're coming up with. Yes, that was come up with in previous era to, when Smith was there, but they're constantly making you guess, and they're not making you, um, you know, coming up with the same ideas and same plans. Gavin, are you there? Yes. Sorry about that, boys. Yeah, can you hear me better now? That's a yeah. That's a. Better line, my friend, better line. We're talking about the innovation and, and the variation. And you were talking about it uh, throughout your, your chat just then, Hugo Keenan's first try. And, and just on him, he is very, very talented at the moment. And, and I thought after Rob Carney left, you'd be, you'd be struggling to maybe find a quality class fullback. But he has taken that role on extremely well. Yeah, it's extraordinary. I think even in the try itself, you see that rugby IQ that he has. He seems to be just a pretty intelligent guy on and off the field. And he's doing almost, you know, calculations at almost breakneck speed as he's trying to decide whether he goes through the middle or whether he uses one of the four or five options that he had to either side of them, either side of him. And uh, eventually he goes it alone and he scores. And it's almost that like it seems like he almost has a, a, mathematical, a mathematical brain where he's able to compute space and 
he's almost carny like as well in how he covers the backfield and he just has a, a really good instinct for where he needs to be on the field but it's funny just speaking to a couple of players who've played with him and, and speaking to the irish coaches as well i guess like keenan has 27 caps now i think he's still relatively green in the ireland jersey but he's also part of their leadership group he's extremely vocal so obviously as you guys know your fullback's role is not just to to look after his own space on the pitch but it's to communicate with his wings as well and, and let them know when to drop back etc and and by all accounts Keenan is extremely vocal on that front and just a really impressive um leader as well in that Ireland backline so he's he's a guy who's flourishing he's probably a guy though to be honest where he's become so good it's hard to know what the drop off is to the next guy down fullback is probably one of the few positions for Ireland where you could argue there's maybe not a great deal of depth or at least the guys that might deputize for him in the event of an injury haven't really been tested at test level uh, in that 15 jersey. So uh, important to get a few minutes into them as well ahead of a World Cup, right? Is that, is that the chink in the armour, uh, Gav, the, the depth in the squad? Because there was talk on it when they travelled down here at the end of last year. The, the first 15 was very good, but when you're looking across the board for the next 15, there was a little bit of a, an issue with depth. Yeah, it's a great question. And I actually think they've answered that question over the course of, say, the South Africa game in November, Australia a little bit, but but equally uh, that France game. Because, OK, fullback might be a position in which you could still have concerns in the absence of uh, Hugo Keenan. But if you look at, say, um, their front row, for example, they missed Dan Sheehan against France. Uh, Rob Herring came in there and, and did a very good job. Now, Rob Herring is an excellent scrummager. We knew that. He's not quite as dynamic in the loose as Dan Sheehan. And I genuinely thought before the game, the loss of Sheehan alone might have tipped that game in France's favour. But instead, you had somebody like Herring who, who stood up really well. We've already been missing Tyke Furlong for this championship so far. There was a time, boys, where... I would say as recently as nine or ten months ago, going into a game against a team of an even or, or, or even a greater quality than Ireland, the absence of Tyke Furlong would have been considered terminal to Ireland's chances of winning that game. Instead, now you've got Finley Bealham, who is doing an exceptional job in Furlong's absence, to the extent that I don't know that Tyke Furlong would walk straight back into that Ireland team, at Lou said. And even beneath Finley Bealham, you have Tom O'Toole of Ulster, who's had only a handful of caps but came on and made a really strong impact. I think if you look at the fact that Johnny Sexton went off with about half an hour to go, equally there was a time where you'd be in a, a stadium, be it the Aviva or otherwise, and if you saw Johnny Sexton withdrawn and a game is tight, you're automatically thinking, Ireland are in trouble here. But in came <laughs> Ross Byrne, and uh, he did pretty, pretty nicely. Craig Casey as well at scrum half, replacing Conor Murray. And Murray was only starting because Gibson Park wasn't available. So I do believe Ireland have managed yeah. to answer a few of those questions about depth. Yeah, particularly with the Johnny Sexton. You know, when Johnny Sexton, I love it when you see him. He's still got class. He's still showing some wheels and jets, his ability to open up in the open space, in particular with his Peter Omani as well leading the way. But it's another bloke we want to talk about, Keelan Doris, put in a world all-world performance in the back row in the weekend. He's only 24. How, how special a player can he be? Yeah, I think he's a freak athlete, really. And it's funny, you know, I guess watching somebody like France for many years in the Six Nations and England as well, 
it's generally the opposition that have these types of athletes and Ireland don't produce too many of them. I guess it's partly a genetics thing. Uh, we tend to be, um, Irish people tend to be built for endurance rather than raw power. Uh, it might explain some of our history as well, but the uh, the likes of Doris don't come along too often. I mean, you could point back to say somebody like a Stephen Ferris, right, who had to retire prematurely and had that like real raw dynamism to him. But you boys are, are pretty accustomed to having uh, players like that, and I think when somebody like Doris comes around for Ireland, it's um, it feels like almost an anomaly, and it's really just uh, a pleasure to have him playing for Ireland instead of against us, in all honesty. But he's a guy who just has virtually everything you want from a modern day back row is he like i just it's not just the power it's again the smarts you see the pass for gary Ringrose's try i mean that's a combination almost of everything right he's making the right decision at a time when he's probably extremely tired but i don't even know how he physically gets the ball away with enough pop to get it out to Ringrose because he's being tackled in that moment um he just does the fundamentals really well and has the mm. I guess the physical profile to to do more than that again, and um, as long as he can stay healthy, really, he's a guy who who should be an all timer for Ireland. I mean, if we're reflecting on Caelan Doris's career in in eight or ten years, and I truly hope he does get that amount of road to run, uh, he should be he should be an all time great by the time he hangs up that jersey. All right, Ireland is sitting at the top of the throne, Gavin. That's sitting at the top of the throne. So which side? Is more desperate this weekend going into their matchup, England or Wales, Borthwick or Gats? <laughs> well, I guess if you were Warren Gatlin at the moment, you're probably there's probably a degree to which they've been so bad so far that they can't get much worse. I would say the expectation isn't quite as high of Gatlin at the moment either, because I think there's now a collective realization in Wales that. Uh, this squad and and really Welsh rugby um, on a macro level as well as a micro one is in a bit of trouble, right? Um, whereas with England, like if they were to lose to this Welsh team, <laughs> it would be a massive step backwards. Particularly after they they did okay against Italy. I mean, their English fans weren't especially blown away by their performance. I actually thought there were there were some green shoots and and sparks of life in that. Um, I think that England will be a good team by the end of this championship. I, I, I do think that. Like, Steve Borthwick is just in the door. He's coming with a certain philosophy. He's got Nick Evans as an attack coach who uh, probably approaches the game in a diametrically opposed way. And there's a little bit of a, a melding-in period, right? Or a blending-in period where you're going to run into complications. But Ireland play England on the last weekend of the championship. We hope there'll be a grand slam at stake. It's going to be in Dublin. It's going to be on St. Patrick's weekend. And I just have a feeling that by then England will have uh, will have gotten their their stuff together and um, and will be pointing pretty well towards a World Cup. I'd fear for Wales. I, I think Wales's most crucial game in this championship is actually going to be uh, against Italy and Rome, and I think they're going to be trying to avoid getting a wooden spoon. And actually, on current oh. form, I would make Italy favourites for that game. In all honesty, people but people might not uh, remember, but I Italy went to Cardiff that. and beat Wales last year. So, yeah, imagine that's the one that, for Wales, I think. Imagine. Oh, I just, yeah, that, that'll be a difficult time to be a Welsh fan if that ever, ever happens. We know Italy can beat anyone on their day. They have improved dramatically over the last couple of years under Kieran Crowley over there in Italy, so they are showing good signs. Just quickly, before we let you go, Scotland, mate, are they any good? 
<laughs> they're definitely pretty good. I don't know how good they are yet. I, I think their acid test, I think their acid test will probably be France and Paris, right? I'm glad that they have to go down to Paris before they host Ireland in Edinburgh, because I think by then they'll either have suffered a, a deflating defeat or they will be so ahead of themselves that they'll presume the Grand Slam has already won by the time we get over there. So um, I think to be fair to them, it's rare that they put together two really important, impressive victories in a row. Usually they would say beat in England as they did in the opening day of the championship. And then they suffer a really embarrassing defeat to somebody the next week around. They have a bit of momentum. I think the, the questions around them will be answered pretty quickly over the next couple of weeks. I don't have the, the answers right now because they've just, uh, Scotland have fooled me enough times that I just don't trust them ever. Beautiful. Forget the latter. Ireland are absolutely flying at the moment. So that's all you need to worry about, Gavin Casey. We appreciate your time, mate. Thanks so much for always joining us and sharing your insights for the Six Nations. It's a wonderful competition and uh, we love watching it down under. So thanks so much, mate. Pleasure, boys. Anytime.